0: On today's Adotat show, we're with Greg Stewart, the wizard behind MMA Global's meteoric rise. Picture this a marketing maestro turning a once sinking ship into a fleet, setting the digital seas ablaze. Hold on to your overpriced office chair for a whirlwind ride into the future of marketing, Stewart style. Get ready to learn more than you did yesterday. Welcome aboard the Adotat show, where marketing, media, and ad tech. Converge.
1: Fasten your seatbelts as your host. PSAP Latin steers you through the digital world of advertising trends and marketing innovations. Deserve
0: to win when it matters most. Facing multi-billion dollar bet the company litigation? No problem. That's why we're here. Troutman Amin. LLP is a true legal powerhouse.
1: Hey everyone, we're here with Greg Stewart of the MMA Global. Hey Greg, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, I'm good. How about yourself today?
1: Pretty good. Let's get started. In the digital age, every marketer fancies themselves a profit. How do you differentiate between genuine forecast and foresight and mere trend hopping in the rapidly evolving landscape of digital marketing?
0: Wait, are you suggesting in some way that markers make bullshit up? Is that what you, is that what that question is going a little bit?
1: Maybe uh, I, I think so. I think markers <laughs> might.
0: Oh, right, right, right. And if and if you and if you believe that, then I have a I have a bridge in the metaverse to to sell you.
1: Although I have to be honest, Evan Shapiro always amazes me what he gets
0: right. Oh, really? Is he really yeah, good at it? it
1: he's mm. very good at. it. Evan's a little bit of a prophet, and he has mm. that. I'm jealous of that hairdo he has. Have you ever mm. seen him? Like beautiful, what, beautiful.
0: Okay, I'll 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 have to look up more of what he said recently. Then, good, 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 good.
1: Okay, so let's answer the question. <laughs> yeah. So the question.
0: So the question is, what's the difference between real and bullshit? Is that it? Pretty much. Okay. So listen. Let me let me start with this. So MMA Global is a nonprofit trade association, and not to sell you on the MMA, I don't really care about that. But here's the basic thesis of the thing. You know, blah blah blah. It's architecting a new future marketing. That's what the sort of tagline is. Mission statement. What we're really doing is trying to save marketing for marketers. And what that means I've been here, I've been here, is that mm-hmm. we're
1: our biggest enemy. Yes. If we had just sat down 10 years ago and actually cared about yes. what was going on, yes. we could have prevented all the government intrusion.
0: Well, I mean, I guess that's coming at from some of the privacy and regulatory kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the basic foundations and fundamentals about how marketing gets done and what we believe to be true in the world about how it really works. And our experience, the experience of the MMA and the thesis that we have behind the organization is that marketers just don't know enough about the basics. So you're right. We can get off into the profit about where the world's going and what's going to happen. MMA is focused on trying to make sure that the foundation of how we operate is better. And now, granted, we do some pretty revolutionary things. We've done a bunch of work in marketing org. We can now tell you what changes in the marketing org will produce sales of the company and what will reduce sales in the company. That's a revolutionary thought. Nobody's ever come up with anything like that. But we've now actually got a system to measure that. So is that is that profit? I mean, profit sounds like you're kind of being illusionary again is the problem with that I have. It's like, but what are the underlying dynamics of how marketing really works, how we communicate with consumers and how we move them to action, which is ultimately, if we can agree, is the point of marketing, correct? Are we, we too are
1: dependent on data? Too dependent on data um i mean i don't Have know we lost data. the creativity as someone said the other yeah. day on my show.
0: no i mean i listen i think if you if you assumed you know your creativity to data then you're right you're fundamentally doing the wrong thing and the greatest return on investment even just take creative for a moment right the greatest return on investment is always investing more into creative to get the message in that to be more clear more compelling So back when I ran the IB back in the early 2000s, right. And we did a lot of work that almost fundamentally ended up developing multi-touch attribution, we were going through and analyzing marketers campaigns. And the thing that we found is that too often they got the strategy wrong. And then even when they got the strategy, right, they didn't communicate clearly in the way that consumers understood. And the third leg on that whole thing is how do we measure and optimize against that, but if you don't get the first two things, right, it doesn't matter. Creativity doesn't matter. It's irrelevant if it doesn't meet a need for consumers. If it doesn't communicate, they don't understand it. So my point is that the fundamentals are wrong. We get we get we get a drift of the whole like oh we're here like you know arguing or swords of justice for you know about creativity. It's a big deal, but you can't get the fundamentals wrong.
1: Right. Someone said to me again last week that marketing needs to solve an issue. If you can't know what the problem you're solving. You have oh, no idea what you're doing. So,
0: so at a very basic level, make sure the campaign's solving a consumer problem. Correct. Is that is that, is that where that's going? Yeah, and
1: that marketers have completely <laughs> lost that. And it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I see agree. campaigns I on a day-to-day basis going, yeah. why would I need this? It's a great product. I love the commercial. but
0: or, or, or even more so, why did you serve this ad to me? And why did you serve it to me for the 20th goddamn time? It's like, really, knock it off, everybody. Like, be respectful of my time and my attention serve me, ads that matter to me in some way. And to your point, I I think where you're going, they're right, that we communicate clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: how do you balance data-driven insights with intuitive foresight?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's one for the ages, I suspect, at some level. And maybe there's people much smarter than I who are doing that. You know, like the great creatives I know and have had a chance to work in my career in the variety of different agencies I've been, you know, my, my impression was that they were they had tapped into a data stream that the rest of us didn't see, hear, or understand. And their job then was to take those unique understanding of that uh, insight and turn it into some sort of communication plan. As I've suggested, we're not always getting right, but but there's something very powerful and unique about that. But I, you know... Is that always what's necessary? Like, I don't buy the whole, you know, that you know, ads have to be a motive that they have to have emotion to them. I, I'm not so sure that's necessary. Sometimes I just need to have a problem solved. I'm not saying it's right. bad to do that, but it's hard. It's hard to get there in that. So, is that the bar that we set? I'm not so sure that that's absolutely essential. I have to really think that one through and explore that. Maybe do some research around that to try to better understand it. But when you, hey, let me go back though. When you say data, in what are you referring to? I mean, data sometimes is just about understanding consumers. Sometimes data, I think as you just use it, there's around insights. Like what's d- data? Data feels too general a term, the same as measurements become a stupid term now too.
1: Oh, I think we, we we now see as a consumer as data points, and we don't even actually understand the consumer from an emotional perspective.
0: Oh okay, 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 yeah, we're not getting into the psyche of them. I don't know I think the I think the big brands are kind of doing that again. I'm a little removed from the creative process. I haven't been a part of an ad agency creating ad campaigns for some time now. But I think at the time when I was in that business, you know, yeah, we were we were digging into understanding underlying you know, sometimes going back to like caveman air to try to understand and interpret consumers. Like my favorite one, I worked on bounty for many years. And if you've seen the bounty ads, right, quicker picker up. Everybody knows the campaign So yeah, Okay. Right. And if it, you remember the works. visual from it, yeah, and, well, okay, here's the,
1: works. I, I assume Bounty works also.
0: Well, here, here, yeah, Bounty does work. Yeah, no. And it was a superior product, but but product superiority is kind of gone for most products today, right? There is, there's not that much difference. I want to be careful. Maybe the, some brands will argue differently, but that's besides the point for now. So the funny thing about Bounty is that if you remember the scene, basically the kid spills something, mother looks at him, looks at her, the kid, right? And then wipes it up. Peace is restored. So, if you think about it, I think any we,
1: parent, and I, and I was a single parent for five years, I think any yeah. parent can identify with that.
0: Well, okay, okay. But here's the thing the mother is choosing not to be upset, it's not getting irritated with the kids, it's not yelling at it, which is basically having had children is sometimes how you feel, depending on the moment and the mood that you are at the time. So, basically, Bounty's bringing peace to the home. That's a pretty brilliant creative insight. That's a pretty brilliant orientation. And I'm sure they got that from listening very carefully to consumers about what really matters to them. And there's a real value in that. It's not just a quicker picker up, but that's a sort of a the rational explanation of it. The simple thing or the, the more stronger component is the fact that they're actually saving families. They're helping mom not to be filled with shame. And I, I don't mean to make it so traditional or dad for that matter, too, I guess. But, um, but they're trying to prevent shame from them having to yell at the kid because, you know, kids spill things because that's what kids do. So I don't know. how does this translate
1: to the online world now?
0: Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, listen, certainly I would suspect that storytelling has been lost in the online world at some degree, and we're not able to do that. But, um, and sometime, well, I don't know, maybe more video online. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I have an answer to that. Basically, what the MMA does. Here's where we're at. So we work for CMOs predominantly. So You have to
1: identify trends for them, correct?
0: Well, I'm not identifying trends. What I do is I listen very carefully to their problems. I do not ask them for their solutions. I'm not interested to hear what the industry's solutions are. I'm interested in hearing what the problems are. What do we know? What don't we know? What don't we understand? And I'll give you a couple of quick examples of how that plays out. I started to hear a couple of years ago a bunch of brands saying to me that they thought – that the performance, people was this tension between brand and performance. And they would say things like the brand people would say, well, the performance people don't respect uh, ongoing consumer brand equity. They don't believe in the long-term viability of the brand. They're killing the business. And then right. you talk to the performance people, they'd say things like, well, the brand people are full of rainbows and unicorns. They have no idea what they're talking to. They're just making shit up all the time. Okay. So got it. they have no measurable goals. I'd hear that one a lot too. Well, we took a step back and said, well, okay. Got it. There's tension between brand and performance. I hear it. Okay. I'm not. And and by the way, I've heard that. I've talked to probably 300 CMOs in the last three years. And 100% of them say that that's an internal discussion. So my question and the MMA's answer or the question that was, well, why don't we know the answer? That's a math problem to optimize between short term. That's not creating cold fusion. That's not going to Mars. That's just a math problem. Why don't we know that? Well, the issue is we couldn't collect the data. And there was no off-the-shelf methodology to do that. So MMA spent a year. We built a methodology. I validated a bunch of marketers. We raised $2.5 million. And we have now been in field with three brands trying to shed light on that issue of the relationship between short-term, long-term brand versus performance. And we can you tell us so far? So here's what we know so far. This is the most interesting insight. And we did this in order to help the CFO understand the value of brand. Because as much as we all believe in brand, I do. Believe in brand, mm-hmm. I've seen it work. We don't really know how to invest in it in a way that a CFO would appreciate. So, what we know now is that we have seen the range that $100 gained from a brand campaign today right. will deliver. We've seen two studies only so far either an additional $150 over the next nine to 12 months or $550 over the next nine to 12 months. And you so think when that to,
1: result is more important than brand lift? Uh,
0: well, yeah, but sales is kind of more.
1: I'm not sure everyone believes that. You talk to many agencies. Sales uh, happens. We, we, I don't know. Tell them to show. We me want to their, tell them ensure them to show that you their... lift your brand up. I mean, if you look at again, go back to most of the ads now. Let's just think about the Super Bowl ads.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's, if you, let's not. But um, are any of them memorable? this beyond to actually help you with the brand right now?
0: Well, listen. I mean, listen. You had a whole series of questions in there. You know, one. Sorry. Do I need? To, do I? Well, no, no. Do you need? To, do I need to remember an ad in order to have impact on my life? And I don't know that Correct. I do. I need to interpret the brand in some way. And most advertising hits at a, what I call the low processing level. It operates in the back of your brain. It doesn't really happen in the forefront. It's not like I'm really paying attention to the fifteen hundred some odd ads I'm supposed to get in a day. As but 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 you the, mentioned,
1: we can all we can all uh, still say the quicker picker upper.
0: Yeah, yeah, but we, us. we we do not. and do we understand? But do I understand at a very visual level, at a, at a sort of a subatomic, sub atomic level, at some, at some, at some point, that I understand what that's doing—that it's reducing shame and making my life better, and the life of my family, and so on. Like you know, I, I don't think anybody could probably articulate that. I happen to know that's what's going on because I worked on the business.
1: But I bet you, if you ask any parent. What does bounty do? They'd say it picks up things quicker. Quicker,
0: quicker, quicker, quicker upper, right. Right, 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 right. But they might be interpreting that at a different level. It's kind of the point that I'm saying. It's not It's not just around that. Okay, so now, but back... But wait, let's go back to one of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I mean, listen, let me, let me sort of... Is, is the point of marketing to produce sales? Do we agree with that?
1: I would argue it is. I would argue yeah, okay, that good. ultimately, it, you yes. want to... Imp- improve your sales. You want to make okay. more money. And okay. very few people go into business for another reason.
0: Okay, good. It's to produce. And and, and I would even translate to say it's supposed to, to produce growth or accelerate growth. Same thing. Okay. Here's a funny one for you. About five years ago, I run a CMO summit in the third week of July. and We have a closed door session in there for CMOs. There was a meeting there about six years ago. I'll never forget this. And I had some of the biggest CMOs in the world. It was a CMO of Duncan, of T Mobile, of Allstate, of GM. You get the list, right? And it went on and on like that. And we asked him a throwaway question. It was just meant to be a warm up. We're gonna give it an hour conversation, closed door. We're gonna we said, What is the role of marketing? What is the role of CMO? One hour later, we realized nobody agreed. Nobody agreed. So the challenge you run into in that is that if if the CMO is walking into the board or the CEO, or the CFO, and the rest of the C-suite and can't consistently articulate what is the point of marketing, that we're not consistent about that, that's a very fundamental problem, which is why the MMA set off to do the organizational work that we did, which is defining what CMOs is the mission of marketing.
1: Lost, why had they lost sight of this?
0: No, if it's lost sight or just never had alignment about what the focus and purpose of marketing was.
1: I yeah, do agree having, there, we're though. We're having a we're having a panel in a few weeks about the death of the CMO and one of the people leading the panel will be Heidi Anderson from Nextdoor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know Nextdoor combined their CRO yeah. and CMO position because yeah, they yeah. believe essentially
0: I, I know Heidi of marketing she's, is she's on the, she's on the board of the MMA so I know Heidi yes, Okay, so exactly.
1: yeah, she but basically they they're essentially saying that the whole purpose of marketing should be raising revenue. So why have separate positions?
0: Correct. Yeah. Why not? Well, I don't know that everybody's got the same skill set for that, but you're right. Chobani was one of the first that really did that a number of years ago when they put under both Peter, under Peter McGinnis, they put sales and marketing. And it was incredibly interesting to hear how he talked about how value, how much value that would have for the company the alignment and su- marketing in support of sales and customer demand. Absolutely. Okay. So wait, where do we leave off? So marketing is about growth is about sales. Yes. Do we agree sure. with that?
1: Just read my notes.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: good. Okay, but we agree it's about sales. Oh, of course, marketing is about making money.
0: I would hope so. Okay, so then you ask me a question like, "Well, what's the then?" You know, am I disrespecting brand lift? Well, no. If I can draw the relationship between brand lift and sales, now the other thing I happen to know in these brand versus performance studies that I've done, and by the way, these are, each one of these is a. $650,000 to a million dollar study. This is very serious research and trying to really understand a And by the way, I have no dog in the fight. I don't give a shit if brand lives or dies. It doesn't make it's no difference in MMA. Now, I'm a big believer in brand. That's what I was raised at. I've seen it work, so I'm okay with that. But, you know, that's not our agenda around the thing. So what we also found, interesting enough, is that brand is upper funnel and lower funnel. So we've been talking about it wrong. Because what it does is it, we've seen it reduce CAC, the cost of acquisition, by minus 85%. It lowers the cost. So it serves the need of brand lift, but it also reduces the cost of actual acquisition, which at some level we would sort of believe, but we've never had those numbers because nobody has ever done longitudinal studies like we did here over the last year and a half. So my point is, if every market, let me go back here. If every marketer, every CMO tells me that the dimension long and short term is important in a discussion that happens within their departments, and there was no methodology to even execute that as little as two years ago. WTF, we are not respecting ourselves as marketers. We are not answering the fundamental questions that we have in the business, taking the time to figure out what is really true and right and what isn't. And that's the fundamental that's the question? What is true and right? It's one of the fundamental questions. I said ask fundamental questions. I didn't say that's the only one, but that's one of them. Yes.
1: What's another one? The other one that we've discovered
0: is what's the role of marketing org and what plays its relationship into to produce sales. So what we've seen from a lot of marketing orgs is that it's based on politics, not performance. Right. So working with a team of professors starting about six years ago, which actually started with that original meeting I mentioned where marketers had a lack of clarity or consistency around what is the role of marketing. We have now built a measurement system to figure out what really does drive sales. Now the two things that most happen in most marketing orgs is they look at the centralization, decentralization decisions. Okay. And they also look at, um, uh, they're also looking at, uh, insourcing versus outsourcing. Those are the two most common items that come up in a marketing reorg. Neither one of those proven now have any relationship to sales. So our fundamental understanding of what we believe as CMOs as markers to be true how the war works we've not figured it out MMA has my board members now know but the whole of the industry doesn't know we didn't believe it to be true just 3 4 years ago
1: but we is know is the industry is the industry uh receptive to this information <laughs> or do they just fight back and tell you that you're, you're the BSer? Uh,
0: no, I never get that you're the BSer because that's not the point of the, or, of the MMA. I don't, you know, we are not selling anything. I mean, we sell membership. You can choose to belong to the organization, but we don't sell anything. I'm not selling an ad tech solution. I'm not selling any other solution. I'm selling consulting services. It's not what the MMA does. It's not what any real nonprofit does. I think my board believes it. That's why they've gotten involved with us. Uh, are we quick to adopt a change? I think we struggle with that a little bit. I think we struggle with that. I think we're too busy to do better, and I think that needs to fundamentally pause, change. I mean, I think. I think that needs to fundamentally change. I mean, listen. I opened up Possible last year. You know, the event that we started. Uh, it's you know, it's down in Miami in April, and I opened that hey, I, with I that. Hear, I hear... Oh, do you? Somebody. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we've done a good job. In sort of, I people mean, that...
1: really hope you don't destroy another uh, social media network. Wait, 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 wait. What
0: do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. What's what?
1: people hope you guys don't destroy another social media network this time why
0: would we destroy a social media network oh i don't know the problem oh oh okay okay well i don't know that we're i don't know yeah, thank you i don't know, you know if you're happens. responsible I, I, for i'm linda? sorry It took i took it took a moment there for me to kind of reflect on that yeah yeah i mean for yeah, videos
1: no. that that is when ellen met right. linda ellen met linda uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. True, but... I
0: don't know. I don't know if Elon knew her prior to that. I mean, it certainly knew Fine. each other, and NBC had a big deal with with Twitter and now but um yeah, I don't know that we're responsible for her getting the job something <laughs> thank, you, thank you. that's very <laughs> funny It was that was funny. um so possible I opened up possible last year with a statement that I believe the marketing industry and listen, let's let's go back to point one here. I love marketing. It's all I ever wanted to do. It was the business that I wanted to get into since you, I was a kid. Up, you can
1: actually say you grew up wanting to be a marketer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You put on a cape and it had like a big M yeah. on it. <laughs> With a big M on it, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what vibe is that. you know. So those uh, yes. were
1: like dressing up as Superman and you were f- – f-
0: Yeah. Maybe I watched Bewitched too much as a child. I'm not really sure exactly what happened. And you're maybe not even old enough to remember that Darren was a bad guy in there. Darren. Darren. Right? Okay. I know okay. Darren. Okay. Is, okay. There's
1: Good. two Darrens.
0: Okay, okay. Right? There were there two in there the show. That's right. They did change. That's funny. It's funny you know that. Um, so I opened the show. I, I may I asked, not
1: look it, but I, I'm a little bit older than I look.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, but uh, I opened a post last year saying that I believe marketing is no further long than the medical profession was in the mid-1800s when they thought bloodletting was the answer. They believed, and basically, if you listen to the theory of bloodletting, which had existed for thousands of years... Socrates, others believed in bloodletting or documented that. It made sense. It made right. sense. I mean, I'm blowing snot on my nose. I need to reduce the pressure. Therefore, let's let blood out. Unfortunately, it killed George Washington and hundreds of others, maybe thousands of others. Bloodletting was a really bad idea, but that's what the medical profession bases on.
1: Are that's you going to continue this metaphor and tell me how marketers are bloodless? We have,
0: we have a lot uh, that we believe to be true, that just isn't so. Because generally, many marketers... are killing us? Yeah, it's killing us. It yes, is it? it's killing us. Yes. Well, I mean, you s- just said you're having a uh, discussion with a bunch of people with the role CMO dead. So I'm assuming you believe at some level that's a thesis. So yeah, yeah. I guess it suggests it is killing us, right? I mean, I, 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 mean, I obviously dead
1: gets clickbait. If I say the role of <laughs> the CMO is changing, people <laughs> will just like roll their eyes and say everything's changing. But if, if a CMO is yeah. dying, people yeah. want to hear about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Agreed. Agreed. Here. Understood. Understood. That's the world <laughs> that we live in, and you're being a marketer at some level in that in that dynamic. Exactly. That's why I
1: tell people said people have said, well, what, "What do you do?" I said, "Essentially, I'm a marketer." I mean, even if you do a podcast, and you have to be a marketer. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, mean, I, would, I mean, I would argue that almost every role now. As some element of marketing.
0: I mean, everybody's always selling something, right? You're always pushing forward your ideas with that company. If that's what you're, is that what you're saying? That's what you're kind of referring to. Well, I think to, it's right? very yeah.
1: hard to even run a company now without having some, you know, essential understanding of how marketing works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, if,
1: if you don't, if you, if you, you know, yeah. if you're a CEO and you don't understand basic SEO and you don't understand basic uh, marketing, I think you're not going to succeed in this environment <laughs> because so much is online. Uh, as much as we have word of mouth and stuff like that, it's word of mouth online. You have yeah. to be able to track it.
0: We need to persuade and move people forward, exactly. I mean, that's the sort of nature of what everybody's trying to do.
1: So beyond metrics and CPIs, what do you believe is the true measure of success?
0: Well, I do think uh, – well, here, I'll give. I'll answer the question this way. It kind of gets back to sort of the MMA, okay? So uh, there was a board meeting about a year and a half ago, and the board kind of uh, stopped me in the sort of middle of the board meeting. And I said, Greg, you know what we really need you to figure out? We need you to figure out how to communicate marketing's value to the CFO. I was frankly – they control surprised. the purse strings. Yeah, they do, they do. But but in what in essence they were saying is that we, after all these decades of the efforts we have, and with some of the largest budgets in a company, don't know how to explain to the rest of the management how we do what we do to produce growth and how we sort of align the rest of the company around those metrics. I found that a very interesting now we are on that. We're about a year and a half into it, and we will release some part of that at possible and then especially at COCMO Summit here in July. Because we told the board it would take us two years to kind of figure that out. And we're on to, it. by the way, the answer just, I mean, I don't need to leave a giant cliffhanger for your listeners, but the answer is around lifetime value. It's helping to understand and express the company in terms of lifetime value of the customer. But we as marketers don't always talk that way.
1: Is customer no, it's, loyalty still a factor in today's environment? I don't hear about it like I used to anymore. Yeah, Almost feel like, like everyone wants to send yeah. someone to their shopping cart and, you know, get a checkout and yeah. where's the customer loyalty. I mean, I, I, think, I still get, yeah. for example, from Toyota, they send me something every month. They love that I'm a constant customer, but that yep. seems to be fairly unique in the industry.
0: Yeah. I don't think that there's I I don't think that there is a tremendous amount of loyalty. I think that there was a lot of switching amongst favorite brands that we have. Yes.
1: Right. I mean, is, there's this, some. Just, is this just Gen Z? Is there just more finicky or are they just more knowledgeable, uh, you think?
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I have an answer to that one. I don't know that I know exactly where the lack of uh, potential loyalty has come from, or and I don't even know that it ever really existed. I, I mean, then you kind of position that question, which I thought rightfully so, which is, you know, hey, I don't hear as much about loyalty. It was a big practice before I worked in within uh, Y&R's uh, Wonderman. Uh, it was Wonderman Kittle Johnson at the time, the biggest direct marketing agency in the world. And it was always amusing to me because as I looked at the people within Wonderman, largest direct marketing, and say Ogilvy Direct, also another big direct marketing firm, they all had the people in charge of loyalty were all PhDs, which suggested to me it was more theory than practice. And the idea it was, was good for new could, business.
1: <laughs> once you got a customer in, you could keep them for life. The person yeah. would be a Ford buyer, and they'd always be a Ford buyer. They'd always buy Bounty, and I don't think that exists anymore. I think I think parsage is research. You can go on the internet and Google anything you want or buy anything you want. Yeah. I mean it's the same product.
0: Yeah, it depends on what category and or so what need I'm trying to solve at the moment. And as I mentioned earlier, I don't know that there's as much product differentiation between, you know, products as there used to be. You know, I mean I used to think I mean Procter and Gamble built their business. I I think, as I remember and I worked on their business thirty plus years ago. But, uh, you know, they would—they were really focused on producing a better product, and they were right. a measurable better product. Now, you maybe weren't always willing to pay the premium for the better product. I get that. That's a different dynamic. But I also think, too, that there's just a lot of different needs that people are trying to satisfy. So could one product handle all needs? Not likely. I mean, here, I'll give you an interesting thing. Um, we, do, we, we have a uh, we have a growth framework that we developed a couple of years ago that we're still in the process of doing experiments and proving out. It's called Movable Middles Growth Framework. And part of it requires you to identify what is the percentage of people that would even be open to considering your brand. Okay. What is the percentage of people that actually buy the brand? Okay. The largest percentage, and we look at like a Tide as being a mass brand, right? It's movable middles as measured by us, 42%. The lar- what I consider to be one of the largest, most well-adapted, believed in, accepted brands in America, Tide, it's only 42%. So to your point, very small percentages of people who are buying products. I just don't well, know. You know, universal loyalty suggests a universality to it. I just don't know that that's the case for anybody. So, so have, then the question is, how do we operate? What do we choose to do? Do we fight against loyalty or do we fight against what do we do just to grab as much share as we can when we can and get as many sales as we can? That's the idea.
1: Right. We have a few minutes left. Um, sure. I we'll to address a couple of issues about your own personal life. How do you think your personal journey has influenced your professional ethos?
0: Huh. That's very interesting you what know your
1: more professional values.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, listen, I like the idea of trying to do good work. I like the idea of trying to give back to an industry. That's why I mean, listen, when I was asked to run the IB back in 2001, I told the board I didn't want to do that because I said in my exact words were joined, running a trade association would be the dumbest effing thing I could do. That's more of my exact words. I still I've done it that.
1: more than once.
0: And I've done it more <laughs> than once. I've now turned around two of these things, right? <laughs> I like the sense of mission and purpose that comes with them to solve real problems. I mean, listen, I wrote the currency for our industry. The digital impression currency came from work I did in running the IB. I worked with a guy named Todd Teresi now over at Apple. He was at Yahoo at the time and George Ivy at the MRC and a bunch of other people and members of it. And we developed the digital impression currency, what we now call viewability. We didn't have viewability at the time. That was even a concept we thought of, but they added viewability later. But that came from the work I got to do. Founding of multi-touch attribution happened because of the work that Rex Briggs and I did to try to create a new measurement system to incorporate internet in the mix because marketing mix modeling didn't do that. Here I'm rethinking org. I think the organizational work the MMA has done is the most important work I will do in my entire career. I think it's It's... revolutionary. Can you argue
1: that your work is actually improving people's lives through
0: income?
1: Uh, Is that the argument you're... Partially the pr- making
0: the purpose of okay, uh, income sounds like an individual or family level, but uh, so let me just kind well, of every business of
1: that you work with, every board member has a business and they have employees, <laughs> and as this industry grows, those people become they thrive,
0: yeah, okay, yeah, then a hundred percent, yes. The point of a trade association, I'll give it two layers one. Is to look into the future and then marshal an industry in that direction for positive good to the industry. That is the underlying thesis of every the trade association out there. We have different uh, we have different bites of that app how We do that. Right. It is about making a group of people rich. That is how do you the differentiate purpose of yourself. Well, the IEB works for has traditionally when I set it up and wrote the bylaws for it. We work traditionally for publishers and right. ad tech companies. MMA has a different uh, cut of that, which is that we work for marketers and CMOS but we have enlisted the support of the entire industry to help solve some of these bigger problems. That's how we go at it. So there's, you know, there's different approaches to it, but, um, uh, but we're very different. I, mean, I don't consider the IB competitive. If, if that's part of where that question goes, we don't look at it that way.
1: Before we go, I'll ask everyone this. Sure. Um, if you could send yourself a text message when you start in this industry, what would you tell yourself? And oh, most importantly, yeah. what do you listen to yourself?
0: Yeah. wear wear life like a loose garment. I'm sorry. Wear life. I heard, I heard, wear, wear white garments. Wear, wear no, wear 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 life like a loose garment.
1: Oh, wear life like a loose garment. Uh-huh. What's that yeah. mean?
0: It basically means uh listen, I take my work very seriously and I love doing it, but at the end of the day, it's only a small part of who I am. It's an important part. I like doing it. I like the challenge of solving the big problems. I like working with the people I get to work with. I love the team that we build here at the MMA. All that's good. And I do think that, you know, we're either both creating legacy or uh, or seismic change for an industry way into the future. Okay. So would
1: you like listen to yourself?
0: Would I listen to myself? Well, you know, I wish I'd had, uh, I wish I'd had advisors and mentors back in my early days uh, in what I know now. So totally. And I think I did a reasonable job of that. Not as well as I, I would. But my point in part is that, you know, let, let's kind of calm down here, everybody focus is define the problem define the challenge let's work together put arms together, go work together solve it but then that's why i probably run trade associations because that is the nature of them how we working collectively to make the world better if not just for our members but for at large too and let's not forget too you know we've been pretty abusive to consumers in all this also i mean it's really kind of, i don't even talk about the privacy stuff let's set that all aside i mean The fact that we serve ads that aren't targeted, that don't know anything about the consumer, that we serve the same ad within a pod of TV again and again and again, it's just annoying. I mean, it's just, it's really annoying. We've spent too much time teaching consumers to ignore advertising. I'd like yeah, to see us flip that around,
1: and we're making it worse. We really are making it worse. I think digital advertising, when, just, you, just the yeah, constant you, barrage of ads, has made it worse.
0: Well, the only thing I would say, so uh, why, why do you say answer answer why? Why do you say we've made it worse? I'm not sure. I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way. I'm <laughs> just defining. And trying what's made to it worse.
1: get reach, and I always hear about reach. The reach is like this magical thing. We need reach instead of targeting and trying to get reach. Is there's so many people putting ads out there, so you okay. can constantly have an ad everywhere you go. So even if you're using multiple devices, if I'm on my phone and I'm watching my TV, I'm going to get all these ads. I'm going to get all these ads here. And then if I have my tablet, I'm going to get all these ads and they're not even working together.
0: This is a good way to me by then. I'm about to bring our whole conversation back around. Okay. You ready? Reach is the dumbest strategy ever. Now you've expressed it from the standpoint, you've expressed it from the standpoint of it's offensiveness to consumers.
1: Which no, I think, right, I think for Marcus, done. It has been; it has destroyed everything. It's it's how media buyers. It's it, it's a lazy media buyer. They can go. Yes. Oh, Agreed. we reached ten million people for Agreed. effective CPM. Agreed. So and where the what, answer?
0: What where, so where the answer lies around that is what we tried to develop. So basically, the movable mills growth framework was created because we realized that a very fundamental mathematical basis that reach based planning was wrong. Now, by the way, the industry has started to move. We measure that every year, and they have started to move away from REACH. So that's good, but not 100%. I'm a little concerned that they call it something else, but they're still doing REACH. But you're right. We're serving ads to people and consumers that don't really care, that couldn't really give a shit about it. And it's just wrong. It's just wrong. We need to knock that off.
1: Greg? Yeah. Thank you for
0: coming on early. No, 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 no. You're really uh, – it's good work. I mean, listen, you know, the message has got to get out there. And that's all, folks. Thank you, Greg Stewart, for sitting down with us. And special thanks to Troutman Ammon LLP. Deserve to win when it matters most. Next week, we will have Kenneth Rona, the chief scientist of Simul Media, and Jared Siegel, the CEO and founder of Attitude. Reminder that sponsors keep independent and witty journalism alive. We can't run this on rainbows and good thoughts.